I think we can take a moment and recap. How many of us have been here for every class so far? None of us have, right? <laughs> it's been, I think, uh, John, when John Cacklin, uh, this man knows what he's doing, all right? He shot, he shot out an email to uh, David, Chris, Caleb, myself, and uh, saying, hey, putting the series together. They t- kind of talked about it a little bit in church, and I really didn't pay attention that much. So I didn't know what I was getting roped into. But hey, they said, hey, pick three or four and tell me the dates that you can do them. So let's plan around summer vacations, which is brilliant, okay? Two stars, you know, for, for John Kalkman, for Man's been there, done that. So I've learned from that. We, after today, will cross that two-thirds of the way done threshold for our, this summer series dealing with the red letters. And some of these classes have been uh, really interesting. Some of them have made me challenge the way that I think, um, make me add to the repertoire that I carry around with me, you know. And just It's nice to sit around and look again at the words of Jesus. I think so many of us, if you've grown up in church, you've heard these stories, you've read these words, we're familiar with a lot of it, but just to, to stop and let's look at sections at a time has yeah, been a, a wonderful experience for me. And you guys know a couple weeks ago when I started doing this, I dropped a dedication on you, right? Think about someone that we can dedicate this hour of study to because the way that I see the scripture, we've been given grace so that we may grace others. And if we're just reading the Bible for our own self, then it's not doing what it needs to do and getting out and about. And maybe it's Calling your mom, say, "Hey, mom, let me tell you what we talked about in Bible class today." Just give her that little bit of a, you know, a little bit of a, a thing. Maybe it's talk to the person who works next to you. You know, open that door to talk about things that matter. Uh, however you want to do it, you know, I, I will tend to think, who is not in this room with me, who's not in this building with me, that I can share this with later. So as we pray for men in, in just a moment, come to mind the person that you're dedicating this hour of study to and hold them up and ask for God to give you words that will make sense to them and hopefully will open some doors, plant some seeds. And you never, they may tell someone who tells someone, you never know what's going to happen, you know. And that's the beautiful thing is that you may never know what happens, but something is happening. You know, what is that? You know, I watered someone, you know, but God gave the increase. You know, that, you know it doesn't matter who does what as long as we do something. Hmm. Let's go to God in prayer. Almighty God, thank you so much for preserving the red letters, the words of Jesus, your son. As we look at that through the summer, how can we understand better his heart? How can we understand better your heart? How can we be reminded of how we are supposed to, to act and the things we need to focus on in our lives? Help us to, to serve you, to love you, And Father, for the people that are on our minds now that we're dedicating this time of study to, help us to to share information with them that would enlighten them, encourage them, and in some cases lead them to ask questions to draw themselves closer to you. It's through your Son that we pray. Amen. So John, when you sent that email out, did you send it to all four of us at the same time, or did you send it to me first? Because I was traveling, I was driving, I was on the road. Dina was driving, 
and I've got my phone out playing whatever you play, you know, solitaire, you know, whatever. And ding, 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 get a little email. All right, John Kalkman, hey, pick the things you want. Click, 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 go, boom, send. I've learned you'd be the first one to jump in. That way you got dibs, right? You know what I'm saying? <clears throat> and I think because I'm the new guy, John sent it to me first, right? David hadn't taught here before. He's only been here, you know, a year. Let's, let's, let's be gracious to him. So I appreciate that. This is the class that was my first choice. Because um, my perspective is different. Come from Louisiana, perspective is different anyway, all right? Uh, this class is let the children come to me. All right, we're going to see this in Matthew and Mark and Luke. We're going to read each of these passages. They're the same, but they're a little bit different. These are called parallel passages where the same story is recorded by multiple Gospels, but, you know, Luke will give us information that Matthew doesn't. Mark will, you know, we, it's the same story. We'll see a little bit different. In this case, Matthew is, I think, the, the most sparse of the three. But we'll see that. And, of course, the best place to start when you're dealing with a parallel passage in, in the Gospels is in Genesis chapter 9. Genesis chapter 9, verse 1. Uh-oh, I threw someone for a loop there. Genesis 9, verse 1. When Noah and his family are stepping off the ark, God blessed Noah and his sons, and he said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. God blessed them and said, Go make babies. Right? Go create life make life on this planet. Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, God says the same thing to Adam and Eve. Go, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, have dominion over the earth, take care of this planet and the things that I've given you. So from Genesis chapter 1, God talking to Adam and Eve, where they are representatives of the human race, at least from a biblical standpoint, He says, I'm going to bless you, now be fruitful and multiply. Then Noah and his family get off the ark, and God says to Noah and his sons, be fruitful and multiply. Is the blessing different than the desire for you to have kids? Or is this shedding light on what the blessing was? God's desire to have children. My wife and I, we've never had problems having children. We've been very, very blessed. I think it got to the point where Dina would just think about having a baby, and I, I think it just happened, okay? I, I really think there were a couple of times when, you, when she would say, let's try again. I think she was already with child, all right? Uh, but we see this very early on. Um, interestingly, if you look at the genealogies from Genesis chapter 5, from Adam to Noah, Adam had, uh, Eve had, Cain and Abel, we know what happened there, then Seth, and then it says, and they lived a whole bunch more years. They had more sons and daughters, and they died. Seth had this child, had a, lived a whole bunch of years, had more sons and daughters, and they died. This person, uh, Lamech, I don't know who's next, right? Had this child, sons and daughters, they died. This child, sons and daughters, and you read through ten generations, every person listed was a certain age when they had 
the named child that the, that the lineage goes through. And then it says they had other sons and daughters and they died. Until you get to Noah. Noah was about 500 when he had Shem, Ham, and Japheth, all right? Mine says after he was 500, he had these. I always thought they were triplets. They're not, all right? There's one of them's older than the other. But, but there, there's three kids. About when he's 500 years, he's had his family. He only has sons. And he only has three. And all of them are named. So after this point here, Noah doesn't have any more sons. Doesn't have any more daughters. And yet the blessing to him and his family is have more children. And then it breaks out into who are the descendants of Shem? Who are the descendants of Ham? Who are the descendants of Japheth? All right? And that goes out into nations. Why does God bless them by saying have kids? Are children a blessing? Intellectually we say yes, okay? And as I lived in my new house for a week and my son kicked the window and decided to break it, I'm not so sure if it was a blessing or not, all right? I'm, I'm excited when I go to people's houses and there's turmoil going on in another room and it's not my child breaking something, it's one of your children breaking something because, you know, that's rare, all right? But anyway, but yes, children are a blessing. Behold, Psalm says, children are a heritage from the Lord and the fruit of the womb is a reward. Proverbs 17, uh, grandchildren are a crown of the age of the living room. I said, Dina, you are aged. You're an old lady. You got grandkids, all right? But what's it say? They're a crown, right? The perspective of the Bible is that children are a benefit, right? Um, you're to protect them. Leviticus says, when you go into the land that I'm about to give to you, you shall not give any of your children to offer them. This is to make them pass through the fire to Moloch. They would burn their children alive to sacrifice. And so you're going to profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. It's repeated in Deuteronomy chapter 18. Don't do to your children what those people are doing to their children. Don't do that. But King Ahaz burned his son as an offering. He made him pass through the fire according to the despicable practices of the nations whom the Lord drew out before. And they burned their sons and daughters in offerings, and King Manasseh burned his son as an offering. And looking back at this, when Jeremiah is sitting on the hill, the weeping prophet watching his people being carried away, he says in Jeremiah 32, 35, you've burned your children alive. It's something I would never God would never ask us to sacrifice our children. It didn't even come to his mind, it says there in Jeremiah. Now, some of us will recall the story of Abraham and Isaac, right? And if we had six weeks, I will demonstrate why that is not the same thing as what's going on here. Number one, Abraham, uh, Isaac was not sacrificed, right? He was bound, he was placed on the altar, but he was stopped, right? But the people of Israel, when they went into that land, they adopted the detestable practices. Do we really think that the people of Israel were so pious that they would do whatever it take to honor their gods? They would take something that's important to them and burn it alive to, to show their piety toward... I don't think so. I don't think people are any more religious or less religious one generation to the next. I think in at least a large number of cases, like how am I going to feed this child? Oh, great. Here's another one. What do I do with it? 
let me dispose of it in a way that's socially acceptable. God's blessing is be fruitful and multiply. Children are a blessing. And Psalm 68 says, God is a father of the fatherless and a protector of the widows. The Lord upholds the widow and the fatherless. Exodus 22, you shall not mistreat any widow or fatherless child. If, if you do mistreat them and they cry out to me, I'm going to hear their cry. My wrath will burn and your wives will be widows and your children will be fatherless. How important is it to take care of our children and not just our children, but the children who find themselves fatherless. I love Job. I'm probably one of the three people in the brotherhood who love the book of Job, all right? Um, Job 29, towards the back half of the book, his friends have been there. They're saying, Job, you're a wicked man. That's why you're covered in sores. That's why you lost everything. That's why bad things are happening. And several times he defends himself. In Job 29, um, starting in verse, uh, verse 7, when I went out to the gate of the city, this is where the elders would sit. This is where the officials would sit. This is where transactions happened. This is where cases were settled. When I went out to the, to the gate of the city, when I prepared my seat in the square, the young men saw me and withdrew. And the aged men rose and stood. Scripture says to stand in the presence of the aged. And Job says, when I came in, the aged stood in my presence. They honored me. The princes refrained from talking and and the voice of the nobles was hushed and their tongue stuck to the roof of their mouth. And when people heard the silence, they called me blessed. And when they saw the aged standing in my presence, it was approved. Why? Because I delivered the poor who cried for help and the fatherless who had none to help him. Job's tremendous claim to his own lack of sinfulness, even outside of the law of Moses, he said, I took care of the fatherless. And I don't think he did it to be bragging. I just think that was his way of life. But it was known that he was a man that you could go to for help. And so we see in the Old Testament the righteous will take care of the children and the nations would not. Matthew 19, Then the children are brought to Jesus that He might lay His hands on them and pray. You know, Dean and I, we moved here during the pandemic in April. We moved to, to Montgomery on April the 18th. I think it's a Friday. If you remember, what was it, March the 18th, everything shut down, schools, churches, restaurants, everything shut down. So we were in lockdown when my family decided to move here. We really didn't know very many people. We weren't connected. Uh, and a couple of people that I worked with said that check out Dalreda. So we were online worshiping with you guys. Y'all didn't even know it. I don't know if they've got you know, tabs saying, oh, who's logged in now? I don't know. But we're sort of, you know, doing this, you know, getting to kind of get a feel for things. Then church opened. We didn't come that first week because y'all needed to be together, right? Y'all were having the 
parking lot church. Remember those days? Yeah. The wind on the microphones was something. We were there with you, all right? Um, but the second Sunday we came, and I had 14-year-old foster daughter with me, Nikki. Nikki was unchurched. And trying to get a conservative, Bible-believing, people-loving congregation, sometimes it's difficult to find. Your reputation, I hope I hope keep that going, all right? Your reputation was one that two people said you should check out Delray. So we come. Uh, Nikki's not really into church-type stuff, all right? Not a bad kid. We get in the car after church, we're loading everything up, and she says, Dad, I met my youth minister. Remember Will, you know? Did she meet the youth minister? The youth minister? A youth minister? No, what did she meet? I met my youth minister. Now, if you move from here to there, the way you find, if you, well, there are like 20 plus churches of Christ in Montgomery, right? I could visit one a month for two years and you know you know if you line it up when it's potluck sunday that's when you really nail it you know um that ended the way i would normally go about finding a church home you know that that took precedent it was not a bad decision but you don't really know how things happen you know and there's we've been here for a while it's like you know we need to be permanent here we need to put our card there, place membership. I don't I mean, I know that's not in the Bible, but it, we need to do something, right? So I met with the elders, was it a, were we meeting on Wednesdays at the time? Or at, some, at some point, I came in and one of the classrooms was down there and uh, uh, Dina basically said, you know, we, we had the things we want to talk about. If we felt good about it, I'd go ahead and, you know, thumbs up the move, all right? So I thumbs up the move and then had, oh, had to get out there to the auditorium quickly because I guess it was Wednesday night had already started, you know, and my wife was there, so I'm sitting down. Well, then afterwards, um, uh, Bob McKee, you know Bob, right? He walked by, we're kind of sitting up there, and he, he does this to Dina, puts his hand right here on her, and he said, I'm glad y'all are here. Do you know how long it had been? She was touched. They brought the children to Jesus so he could touch them. He could lay his hands on them. <laughs> but the disciples, oh, we love these people, don't we? The disciples rebuked the people. And what did Jesus say? What did he say? Let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them. For to such belong the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on the kids. Now today, we have to be a little bit weary of that, right? In our messed up, shook up, upside down world. Um, I have to be careful of it as a professor about my contact with my students. I want my students to know that I love them. And if I see them, I'm going to give them a little, you know, good old A-frame side hug, you know. Um, The other night, one of my students, uh, Gianna Mendez, she's from Mexico City, lives in Watumka or something. Now, she broke her leg playing for the women's soccer team. 
bad breakup. So she's in school in a wheelchair, then on crutches, you know. And Dina says, have you heard from Gigi, you know, Gianna, how's she doing? I don't stay in touch with my lady students through the summer, you know. But, hey, Gianna, Mama D is asking, feeling, you okay? How's your leg? Right? Reaching out electronically, contacting. was a recruiting event with the women's soccer team and Gianna was talking to the young ladies and she said at Faulkner University my professors really care. I got this email last night asking how I'm doing. So Mama D did that, you know. But do we touch each other? Mark, and they're bringing children to Jesus. Now, I put this little Jesus in brackets because it said him, all right? So that's what that brackets mean. I'm clarifying that. That he might touch them. Disciples rebuked him. Uh, but when Jesus saw it, what was he? He was angry. He got riled up. He was indignant. He said to them, let the children come to me. Don't hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. This is, this, in, in the Greek right here, it's, it, it doesn't say whoever doesn't, won't enter it. It says, no way, Jose. No, not. Uh-uh, it's, he doubles down on that. You're not truly, truly, I say to you. This is the opposite of yes, yes. This is no, 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 no. Shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms and he blessed them. What does this look like? How do you bless somebody? With my children, I give them a kiss on the head. Hey, give them a hug. And I'll say, a pox upon thee. All right? I know that's Shakespearean, but I, to me it's a blessing. Is, is pox bad? I don't know. Right? But I give them a little kiss on the head. That's their blessing. They know it's love, it's acceptance. It's, it's good. I don't know what Jesus did. He kiss them on the head. That's what I'm going to do. All right? I think, uh, and then in Luke, they're bringing even infants to Jesus. You get a little more detail every time, right? They're bringing babies. You remember the old campaign trails where the president would, would kiss those babies, right? This is, yeah, this is Jesus doing that. They're bringing infants to him that he might touch them. And the disciples saw it and they said, no, no, get back. And then Jesus caught, now this is where it gets me. Jesus called to him saying, I don't know who him is. None of my commentators even talk about this. So I'm looking it up in the Greek saying, is this him word there? And Dina's like, hey, I need you to go off your phone and vacuum. It's like, I'm doing class prep, babe. Okay, all right, yeah. So we don't know who him is. My suspicion is maybe Peter. Isn't Peter the hot-headed one to always? That's my suspicion. I don't know. I don't know. But, but we know that Jesus is putting this out. They call us and say, let the children come to me. Don't hinder them. For to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. Every class I've ever sat in that talks about this talks about we need to be childlike in our faith, right? We need to receive the kingdom of God with honesty, openness, trust. Like when you're learning how to swim, your dad's in the pool backing up, but he's not going to let you right. that's the That's the analogy that's always there, right? And I don't know, when I'm looking at this today, 
I'm wondering if he says, if you don't receive a child, you're not receiving the kingdom. Don't receive the kingdom like a child receives the kingdom. But the kingdom is tied up in our children. So when y'all hear my kids being noisy in church, I'm sorry guys, that's the kingdom talking, all right? Uh, you know, I, I love it. I, I've never heard a preacher complain about children crying. You know, most of the time if you're up there, you don't even hear the children crying. And, and you know, when I hear a child crying, I go, great, it's not mine. I'm not bothering the people behind me this time, all right? But usually most people are very gracious. You know, we're okay with that. Um, so I want to tell you about a time that the kingdom came to my house. Tuesday, March the 15th, March the 10th, 2015. I know it was a Tuesday. On Tuesdays and Thursdays, I held meetings with my senior management staff. We'd go into the conference room. We'd talk about scheduling issues for this week, next week, and the week after. How are we doing? Get everybody on the same page. Problems. Let's solve some problems, right? And my wife's standard voicemail when she would call me was, Hey, Dave, it's your wife. Give me a call. Love you. Bye. Hey, Dave, it's your wife. Give me a call. Love you. Bye. Hey, Dave, and I could find 30 or 40 or 50 voice messages in a row at the time. That was it. All right. Hey, Dave, it's your wife. Give me a call. Love you. Bye. On this morning, Tuesday, March the 10th of 2015, I had left my phone face down on my desk and gone to my meeting. And I came back, it's probably 9.30 or so, when I realized my phone was there, turned it over, and I had about a dozen missed calls. All from one number. All from her. First voicemail. Hey Dave, give me a call. Where's the, it's your wife, I love you, bye. Second voicemail, I need you to call me. Third, call me the minute you get this. Call me right now. John, you've got these messages from your lovely wife. What do you say when you call her? Okay, is anything good happening? What's wrong? Yeah. Who's hurt? What has happened? I don't even know what was going through my mind about what are the words to find out what's going on because I got call after call after call. Some of them had voice messages, some of them different. At this time, to give you an insight into our life, we were foster parents. Okay, we and our standard thing was when they would call they'd say hey I've got a 12 year old girl can you take her that's all we would know their age boy or girl we don't know do they have siblings we don't know their background we just 12 year old girl 14 year old boy a seven and an eight year old can you take them all right she would call me if we had room the answer is yes so I called her what's up I figured that was a safe intro right she says, you're going to be mad at me. been married 25 years to this woman. It's too late to be mad, right? It's like, no, I'm not going to be mad at you. 
She said, I said, yes. I knew what that meant. She did not consult me. Can we take a child? She said, yes. To a terminal infant. These words don't go together. I said, what? Yeah. Little boy. Um, he will come home with hospice care. The practical side of me says, how long will this go on? The Christian side of me said, here's a need. How do I balance that? Tell me more. So, well, he's about five or six weeks old. They're expecting him to live two weeks, maybe two months. Can we love a child for two weeks or two months? This is his picture when he was born. Tubes. His mother had a drug problem. Um, and in Louisiana, if, you're, if a child is born with drugs in their system, they're automatically removed from the parents. No, there's no, this, it's, it, you just take them away right then. And because of the damage that was done, his, uh, they didn't know it here, but his uh, hypothalamus, that the thing in the brainstem that controls your, your bodily functions, you know, it, was, it, it had been killed, essentially. It was dead. And they knew that he would grow to a point where his biology, his neurology couldn't support his biology anymore. They knew that. So... Most of the time, if you get a foster child, they bring them to you with their luggage. You've got the room all set up. In this case, we had to go to the hospital, to the neonatal intensive care unit, the NICU. And we had to uh, coordinate it with the social worker who could be there, along with our hospice nurse who could be there, along with the staff of the NICU. And we went in, and uh, he was on a trolley, a plastic bassinet looking thing with padding and everything right and the room is set up where there's a, a rocking chair there and the nurses were there and Dina sat down in the rocking chair and the nurses are talking to her about his condition what to expect and I went over to the bassinet and I saw this child with wires and tubes and I asked can I hold him I didn't know if touch would be painful to the child. That was really what I was asking. But the nurse said, yeah, just be careful of his feeding tube. And she undid the little heart rate monitors and the little uh, blood oxygen thing on his toe and disconnected everything except a feeding tube from him. And she handed him, she handed him to me carefully. And I turned around. Handed him to Dina. She rocked him. 
looked into his eyes and said, can I be your mommy? That's why I believe my wife is better than all of your wives, okay? I mean, that's, wow. Um, we didn't know it at the time, but he was constantly in a state of being in a seizure. I don't know if you can see, his little brow was furrowed because his muscles were, 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 were tensed. And we had to learn how to give this baby Valium. You don't give babies Valium. But the hospice worker let me know that that's what he needed. And as we learned to deal with his issues, because of the, his brainstem damage, he couldn't swallow. And so we had a, a vacuum pump that we'd use to... You know, the little balls that you used to suck, not a, that wasn't good enough. You know, we had to suction him both, you know, in his mouth and his nose. Um, but my kids, they loved him. This was one of his favorite blankets, we think. He didn't really have a lot of ability to react because of the damage done to his neurology, but my children accepted him, right? And once we learned how to, to deal with the, the medical things that were going on, we were able to take him on trips, went down to the, the, the aquarium in, in New Orleans, all right? Um, of course, he only wore the finest clothes. <laughs> yeah, because uh, the, you know, the Bible says clothed in fine linen and purple, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Now keep, okay, keep in mind, we were in Baton Rouge at the time. We'd been there for 20 years, so, um, so that. But the problem was, you can see his little feeding tube. It actually had to go into his intestines because if he, you know, babies will spit up, he couldn't swallow and it would kill him. He would suffocate if he spit up, so he had to be fed directly into his intestines. And he always pulled that thing out when we were driving somewhere. This is the first time he pulled it out. I was scared. I didn't know, you know, what. And I asked the nurse, could I take a picture of him before they took, took him away to go try to put the thing back in? Because I didn't know what that process involved. And I'd never seen him without tape on the side of his face. You can see how small it was, you know. Um, but during this time, because he's a foster child, we had to have visits with his birth mom. You know how hard that was? As she is hitting the clubs, doing the nightlife, sitting on a bar stool, posting pictures of herself online in a push-up bra and low-cut shirt saying, don't judge me until you've walked a mile in my shoes. And my wife is holding her convulsing baby at one o'clock in the morning. I had thoughts that I shouldn't have. Finally I said, no, let's focus on this because we can help this. Let that go. But Dina still had to take him to see his birth mom, but most of the time she wouldn't show up. Uh, she even had transportation. They would come get her and bring her there and to get him up with all of his medical equipment, get him out, it's like it was difficult. So they basically said, when we have her in the car on the way, then we'll give you a call and you come up. That made it a lot easier on us. Brittany, who had been studying in Italy for the semester, came home with mononucleosis. So she's got to wear a mask as she's hugging this little child. And my family just made him part of the family. And of course, we took him to church. Now right here... You can see this is his stroller, had a big thing underneath it because it had an electronic device that, that fed him. We also had that, that plug that we had to, had to suck him out and everything. Um, 
And at that church there, it only had three sections, but it had a balcony. We've got four sections, right? Um, see if we can't distribute these among ourselves. There was an event that happened at church one time that, I don't know if you want that. An event happened at church one time because they told us that he was probably blind, but as we were driving, driving, as we were strolling through Costco, his light, he, he would fixate on those big lights, so he knew he could see something. And the neurologist said, he's probably not seeing what you're seeing, but he could see something. And they thought he, he couldn't hear. They thought he was deaf because of the damage done to his little body. But we sang this song that you've got the song sheets for called There's a Stirring. And the way this song goes, you have a, a verse up in here and then a little crescendo before it gets down into the, into the chorus. And right here, is he calling me? Is he calling me? It builds up. And I was, we were standing underneath the, the balcony, and there was a little speaker there where we could, you know, make it where we could hear better. And I had him right here on my shoulder, my poor little broken baby who couldn't hear a thing. Is he calling me? His head lifted up. And he's looking around. And when you're holding a terminal infant who responds to, is God calling me? I can't sing this song, but here's how it goes.
At this time, we were we had members of the Goodwood Boulevard Church of Christ for 15 years. We were currently attending the South Baton Rouge Church of Christ. Our children were involved in Christian Youth Theater, and we were playing soccer with the Christian Homeschool Education Foundation. We were we, we had ties to four faith communities. Who do you think showed up at his funeral? Those four groups of people. We had the largest chapel at the funeral home. There were people there from Goodwood, people from South, people from CYT, people from Chef Soccer, and there was one man I'd never seen before. He just heard the story of this little boy. Religion, James says, that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this. Is what? To visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. I believe in a body our size we have people who visit the sick, who visit the widows, who take care of children. We have prayer warriors. We have people who are gifted with singing. We have people who are gifted with study. And I think all of that goes into place. And if your gift isn't one to look after the orphans, can you take a meal to someone who is? Can you watch their kids one day while they go out on a date? Can you make their burden easier? That's what we experienced with those four faith groups when the little children came to me. Thank you for welcoming us and welcoming my children into the family. Let's keep it up, all right? Now get out of here.